Hey, welcome to episode number 192 of More Than Bread. My name is Dan Nold. I'm a pastor, Bible reader, and your host for this podcast, More Than Bread. You know, in the last episode, as we read through the portion of Ephesians 6 that I'm I'm just kind of stuck in, and if I'm stuck in it, so are you, though you are free to just not listen and leave me stuck all by myself, but I kind of hope you don't, because there's some really important, good, hard stuff in Paul's final words to his friends in Ephesus. In chapter 6, Paul is describing this spiritual battle that we're in, right? He encourages us to armor up, but the the one offensive weapon for this battle, he calls the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is connected intimately to the Spirit of God for the people of God to be able to thrive in difficult times. It's not just a matter of us reading the Word. It's a, a matter of allowing the Spirit to use the word to cause it to come alive. And and then to add to this idea, there are two Greek words which translate into English as word, as the word word. (laughs) Um, One is logos and one is rhema. Logos is the written word, same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible, the word of God. Rhema is the spoken word, the right now in the moment word. So the spirit of God actually takes the logos, the written word, and turns it into the rhema word, the spoken right now in the moment word. In other words, the spirit causes the word of God to come alive. It's God speaking now. And really, ultimately, the question is, are we listening? We listen to learn. We learn to lean. It can't stop there, but it has to start with listening, right? So listen Not just to me reading the written word, the logos, but keep the ears of your heart open for the rhema, the spirit speaking in the moment, just to you kind of word. As I read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 again, and this time from the English Standard Version. Finally, Paul writes, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, in the last episode, the theme statement was don't just do something, stand there, remember? It's hard to find victory, hard to find breakthrough in the battle if, if we can't stand. And, and that's why over and over again, you hear Paul saying, just stand, don't stop standing, withstand, stand firm, keep standing, don't quit, stand in his power, stand your ground, do everything you can to stand firmly. Don't just do something, stand there. Stand in the power of God like Daniel stood when a mid-morning prayer got him thrown into a den of lions. Or or like David stood facing a giant with nothing more than a homemade slingshot. You know, the Bible is full of people who found that standing there was often a better strategy than doing something, as long as the standing is standing in the power of Almighty God. 
You know, I used to think that God was kind of arbitrary in choosing who he was going to use, who he was going to empower for great things. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. You're going to do well. The rest of you, tough luck. But that's not what the Bible says. I love what it says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth. The eyes of the Lord are roaming globally looking for people whose hearts are fully committed to him so he can show his great power in helping them. God is looking for people to empower, people whom he can use. No matter what kind of battles you find yourself in, no matter what kind of slippery slopes you find yourself walking upon in your life journey, in your battle, nobody, no situation, no circumstances, no past can ultimately keep you from living the destiny God has planned for you if If you will commit your heart fully to him, if you will commit your heart fully to him, you'll stand. So in this episode, as we look again at Paul's description of how to find victory in the battle, I just want to give us five quick commitments that we need to make in order to stand strong, regardless of what comes our way. And we're going to use the specific parts of armor that Paul describes to understand the commitments. The first commitment is be true. I just want you to imagine Paul dictating this letter, most likely chained to a Roman soldier, that's how they did it, concluding this magnificent letter with these few power-packed verses on how to stand in the midst of a battle. And a few chain links away is a fully armored Roman soldier. He's looking at the soldier as he listens to the Spirit of God, and he ponders, what does it take to stand strong? Stand therefore, he says, having girded your waist with truth. Now, what is girding? You've maybe heard that word. Maybe you don't know what it is. Roman soldiers wore cloaks, square cloth with holes cut out for the arms and head. So just a square. It, it was a, a it, it, when they went into battle, excuse me, when they went into the battle, the cloak would get in the way so they would gird their cloak about their waist. They'd, they'd grab the four corners of this square cloak, fit over their head, head into the holes, arms into the holes, that they'd grab the four corners and tuck the four corners into their belt. And in doing so, they were ready and committed. They were ready for battle. To be girded is to be ready and alert. No ski suit. (laughs) You remember that story? No ski suit down around your knees. Nothing entangling you. That's why it says in Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. When when the, the Roman soldier was girded, there was nothing to hinder their progress. You know, don't you, that sin hinders our progress. The wrong attitudes towards God can cause us to fall. That we can get so deceived that we can give the enemy access to our hearts and minds in a way that will cause us to freeze in the moments when we need to act. What what we need is is the freedom to follow. And, And in order to find the freedom to follow, we need to be true. We need to be true. Our hearts clean. If I want to be used by God in a great way, if I want to stand firm in the battle, I need to keep my heart clean. I need to live true. When I when I read about great women and men of God and I say, God, I want to be used by like that. I want to come to the end of my journey and look back on a life well lived. If you study people like that, one of the things you almost always find is these times of personal cleansing, of purity, of integrity, moral character. It's not just... It's not just about knowing the truth. It's about being true, living true. Rick Warren has said, God can use a small vessel. He can use a plain vessel. He can use a broken vessel. 
but he will not use a dirty vessel. In 2 Timothy 2.21, Paul writes, if you keep yourself pure, you'll be a utensil that God can use for his purpose. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. See, God wants to bless your life. He, he does. The, the one thing that will hold him back is sin, not, not dealing with some issues in our hearts. It, it's not like any sin can, there's no sin that can be unforgiven. <laughs> every sin can be forgiven. But when we don't deal with the issues in our hearts, you know, we, we want power in our lives, but the power comes from purity. If we want more power for the battle, we may need more purity. So how's the integrity? How's the truth of your life? I mean, maybe right now it's time to do a little business with God. You need to press pause on, on this podcast and, and just take a little bit of time and ask God, is there anything keeping me from being used by you? Is there anything in my heart that's setting me up for a fall? Is there any way in me that is untrue? Get ready by being true, honest with God and yourself. Time for a breath of prayer. God, show me what needs to be cleaned up or thrown out so that I can live true. Be true. And the Holy Spirit's role is to convict. So Holy Spirit of God, just show me. The second commitment follows the first. I would call it a commitment to get unstiff with God. Paul calls it the breastplate of righteousness. (laughs) Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, he says in, in verse 14. Now, now here's how I describe this. I remember one time playing with my son Jacob when he was young, a little kid, wrestling around with him, and, and I, I got a little too rough, and he got hurt. I tried to apologize, tried to comfort him. I wanted to give him a hug, but he did one of those stiffen up deals, right? Like trying to hug a telephone pole. And you know what? It's hard to hug a stiff kid. But on the other hand, I can't tell you how many times I, I came home to find Jake or Josh when they were kids, just so full of dirt, not a clean spot on them. And, and yet they'd lift up their arms to be hugged. And you know what? It's a lot easier to hug a dirty kid than it is to hug a stiff kid. Some of us are stiff with God. Are you stiff with God? See, the breastplate of righteousness isn't just about our personal purity. It's not just another form of saying live true. It's the righteousness of Jesus. We we put on the righteousness of Jesus. We put it on by believing, by resting in the reality that when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. It's, it's what the theologians call imputed righteousness. That means his righteousness is given to me. It's a gift. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who decided that that what they needed to do was get their life straightened out first, and then they could come back to God. Like, like I have to build my own breastplate of righteousness. How many times in my life have I thought, man, I've asked God to forgive me so many times for the same old thing. I've asked him to change the same old habits. habits. If, if he isn't just getting tired of hearing from me, then I'm, I'm too ashamed to go to him with the same old stuff, so I'll just kind of quietly go away. But listen, I'm, I'm just one dirty kid telling other dirty kids. I'm just one sick person telling other sick people. I'm just one who has fallen telling other fallen people what might be the most important thing you'll ever hear. God is God, and, and you should remember that. But if you go to him, he won't be disgusted by your dirt. He won't get wearied by your sickness. He won't be angry with your falling. In fact, man, he'll hug you. He'll heal you. He'll always pick you up. Don't wait till you're clean to go to God. Go to God so that you can get clean. He he wants to impute to you the righteousness of Christ. That's what the breastplate of righteousness is. So get unstiff. (laughs) Get hugged by God.
Third commitment, pursue relationships. Now, we've talked about this a little bit already. Paul writes in verse 15, for shoes put on the peace, peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Our bot- battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness. Sometimes we forget that. The question we need to ask ourselves is who do we stand against and who do we stand for? Stu Weber was a, a pastor in the Pacific Northwest, and he calls them ranger buddies. While he was in the U.S. Army Ranger School, Weber learned the ranger theme. You go out together, you stick together, you work as a unit, and you come in together. If you don't come in together, don't bother to come in. That's commitment. And you know what? I, I really believe God has chosen, God has given each of us ranger buddies. Maybe it's someone in the church or one of your buddies at school. It might be someone in the youth group or someone at work or your neighbor next door, somebody that that you play with or pray with. Sometimes it might be the very person you hope it isn't. But who are you standing for and who are you standing with? Back in chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul said, put away all falsehood and tell your neighbor the truth because we belong to each other. And don't sin by letting anger gain control of you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Oh my goodness, I look at our world today, it's like we're living in an incubator for anger. We have such an anger problem. And and don't you know that the enemy is behind that? Because every point of anger gives a foothold to Satan, gives him a place, gives him a topos. Satan throws his arsenal against our relationships. He he grinds away at our anger buttons and encourages us to draw lines and build walls. Why? Because he, he knows that if we get together, he's done, he's finished. If I find breakthrough in the battle, it will be at least in part because I've pursued relationships. I haven't gone alone for long. There's so much in Paul's letter about about relationships, but but you got to give grace. Listen, some of you listening, you, you have hurts that run deep. I mean, just pick the arena. Someone you trusted or a complete stranger, an employee or a boss, a church, or perhaps even God, and, and you've come through it and you've just said, I'm not going to deal with it. I cannot change the past, so I'll just bury it. Time heals all wounds. You've heard that before, right? Baloney. Time does not heal wounds. Given time, unhealed wounds turn into bitterness, rancid bitterness. But grace can heal your past, and grace can change your future. On the other hand, some of you, listen, you've hurt others deeply. You, You thought that the way to get what you wanted was by putting your dreams, your concerns at the top of the pile. And you need to start giving grace. You need to stop worrying about what you think you deserve and start giving others more than you deserve. That, that's grace. So what relationships in your life need reconciliation? Where is there not peace between you and others? Fourth commitment, believe and be expectant. Paul says, in every battle, you're going to need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Verse 16, right? Faith is all wrapped up in what we believe, but it also brings a sense of expectancy. It's it's vision. Faith and vision kind of go together. Satan shoots arrows at us and tries to get us off course. He wants us to close our eyes in fear, but faith says, keep your eyes open. Keep looking around you in the world to see what God is doing. Don't let doubt or fear keep you from all that God has for you. Faith is the shield that keeps you standing in spite of fear and doubt. Faith, vision, expectancy. It's not It's not about predicting the future. You can't predict the future. You can't even plan for the future. There's so much stinking uncertainty. 
in the world today. But faith is seeing God at work in the moment and having the courage to then seize the moment, to dive in with God and partner with him and follow him. And I, and I just want to challenge you, don't stop looking for God at work. You have a huge God who's at work all around you. Keep your eyes open. See the people that he loves, that he's died to love. Get in the habit of expecting God to do more than you can imagine. And the last commitment, ask for help. We'll actually talk a bit more about this one in, in a coming episode. But for now, let me simply remind us of Paul's words. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. And pray for me too. Do you know who needs to be saved? People who can't save themselves. Do you know who prays and who asks for prayer? Do you you know who is passionately committed to prayer? People who need help. (laughs) Do you know who needs help? People with a God-sized vision. I quoted O. Hallisby. He has an amazing, amazing book just called Prayer. In a recent episode, I quote him where he writes, Listen, my friend, your helplessness is your best prayer. It calls from your heart to the heart of God with greater effect than all your uttered pleas. He hears from the moment that you're seized with helplessness and he becomes actively engaged. Man, without prayer, a church is just a social club. Without prayer, purity is a pipe dream. Without prayer, a house is nothing more than the place we sleep. Without the prayer, the battle is a a loss. But with prayer, a church becomes a life-giving community. Holiness becomes the shape of your heart. Your house becomes a home and a mission center. And your life becomes a great adventure. Listen, if you've made a decision to go on this battle quest with God, You'll never go farther than you go in prayer. You'll never go higher than you go in prayer. You'll never go deeper than you go in prayer. You'll never get closer to God except you go in prayer. We will not find all that there is. We will not become all that we could be unless we pray. So let me just close in prayer for us all. God, I pray for each and every person in this moment right now who's listening. God, I pray that they've had an experience. And if if they haven't, I pray that in the moments, in the days to come, they will have an experience of the Spirit of God speaking a rhema word, a word in the moment, right for them, the uniqueness of their situation. God, you, you know us. There's not a single person listening that you don't know. You know them better. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know what we need to hear. You know how our hearts need to be stirred up. God, I pray that in this whole area of battle, that we would make commitments, that that, that we would not just be passive, that, that we would not just sit down and give up, quit, but we would stand, we'd stand firm, that we would be committed to people, that we would we would be committed to hugging your righteousness, that we would be committed to living true. God, that we would be committed to doing everything that we need to do to stand in the battle. God, I thank you that your power is greater, that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And I pray with all my heart, I pray for each and every one of us that we would find victory today in the battle by standing in the power of your might. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.